Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome to a new month. Welcome to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing all right. Try that again. Y'all just got quiet and started talking at the same time. So how, Doc, <laughs> how are you, Doc? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just trying to navigate the landscape of uh, academics. Whole academy. <laughs> really? It's almost that time to be giving that grades or something. It's almost final time, Doc. Yeah, it's about that time. We got past midterm grades, so I'm already gave the midterm grades to wake some people up, hopefully. But it's not simple. I'm a fan of the So basically, what you're saying is they just showing up. A couple of too far, too many of them are just showing up. They don't understand it's a little more than just showing up. But doc, they gonna find out the hard way. They gonna find out the hard way. I'm gonna let the listeners in on a little uh, secret, as I tell my students, that uh, if they're not careful, they're gonna end up getting my famous F squared. Now, see, you all were asked, what is the F squared? Well, as I yes, the F squared is not an F plus M. For you non-mathematic people, this is F times F. Now, F squared will debilitate your GPA. And everybody's like, I've never heard of F squared. Well, you don't want one from me because I magically make things happen. I hear you. Some, you. some folks get it and some don't. There you go. <laughs> well, with that, I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than I was yesterday. And today, I'll probably, tomorrow, I'll probably be doing better than today. Uh, definitely for sure. I made my connection all with uh, Bruce Wimbridge, uh, who's a part of the uh, Columbus, Ohio Sports Authority. Uh, they've got some functions and all scheduled for tomorrow afternoon, uh, meeting with the, some uh, a media session with the uh, teams involved. And then on tomorrow evening, a little uh, get-together. And then Sunday, we got basketball. And I'll be one of the, particip- one of the uh, media participants in the house. I head out in the morning in the morning for Columbus, Ohio, and I look to come back with uh, some goodness. Uh, I'm happy to, to say that uh, two of the coaches I've interviewed before uh, were actually well, actually three uh, with uh, uh, the coach at Stanford, and I've yet to in, uh, interview the coach from Ohio State, which tomorrow uh, tomorrow for sure. I uh, will get a chance to talk to her, uh, talk to the uh, uh, coach, and I'll have some interviews from Saturday, and I'll have some post-game interview, interviews from Sunday. And seeing as I'll have a um, red eye getting back here, I'll have plenty of time to kind of get this finished and get it posted up uh, sometime uh, Monday for sure. Uh, and with that, fellas, Let's get right into it. Where do we start? Well, go ahead. No, no, you, you didn't. You didn't uh, name drop on the other two coaches, Jeff Walls, Louisville, and Gino Oriema from Connecticut. You know, he, he well, that's, that is true. But Stanford, and Ohio State. And go ahead and name drop. Yeah, you were the college sports reporter. Let people know what you're about to do, man. Yes, I did, and you just finished it off for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, it's part of um, ESPN. His return to. Uh, women's basketball college double hitter to start off the season in the host city of the final four at the end of the season. They did it a few other times previously that Wildcat and I were able to participate in. And, and I, I'm not sure if Columbus uh, pushed for this again for them to have a double hitter or ESPN decided to do it or whatever, but I'm glad to see it resume and the games, um, UConn Stanford will be on ESPN, I believe, and then um, Ohio State Louisville will be on ESPN U, I believe, Sunday afternoon, twelve thirty and two thirty Houston time. So should be a lot of fun. Should be two good games. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one one team is for sure out of this four. Let's just be honest, fellas, they on a mission right now. Uh, UConn got more more depth than they had last year, and they reached the Final Four last wow. year. And this year's team is better. They got two transfers, 
eligible to play this year, including one that some folks in, um, who know a thing or two about basketball, Don Staley and Gino Oriyama, compare Azrae Stevens uh, to uh, Kevin Durant. So let's just so a six foot six female version of Kevin Durant is now playing for UConn. So you just that's not good. Add her to the other three, to the other three all Americans they have. So there you go. You get the idea (laughs) of the talent they have. That's a little bit more skill than most people have seen in in a long time, especially on the women's side. So let me get her name right because this morning, um, UConn got their first commitment for 2018, and she happens to be the number one. Uh, prospect in the country. <laughs> so, you know how things go. The rich get richer. So, but I want to make sure I get her name right. At, um, but, yep, UConn did not have any commitments. The first day of signing day was November 8th. She decided to wait a few days to make a decision. It was down to UConn and South Carolina. And today, she, this morning, she announced, uh, Kristen Williams is her name. She announced that she was going to continue her career at UConn. So there we go with that. So talent keeps getting talent. It doesn't change the fact that uh, Baylor and Texas have uh, the the top two uh, recruiting classes, according to uh, ESPNW's rankings. So uh, I think Baylor and Texas combined to get maybe nine of the top hundred under the Hoop Girls ranking. So, you know, the risky richer. But let's be honest now. It's what to do with it once you get it is at the end of the day. And it's all about winning championships. And that's one thing we all all agree on last year. That that, that is true. Uh, We all agreed last year that uh, that was the one. That would have been a season that uh, it wouldn't happen. It took a while for it to get there. Um, everybody had their chances. Now, during the season, uh, we had to wait until the final four for it to actually happen. But uh, as I talked to, as we both, you and I both talked to coaches from uh, uh, the uh, the American uh, Athletic Conference uh, Basketball Media Day, and the coaches that I talked to at uh, the Conference USA. Uh, they all admitted, you know, it was a, it was a good year last year. Uh, folks had a chance to see UConn lose, and I'm, I'm that's basically what, uh, how the coaches came across with it. That uh, on any given night, if you got it all going your way, you should have you should have been able to get that done. And thank goodness, uh, South Carolina came away with it. But this year is a new day, and everybody recognizes that. And they're all looking over their shoulders and all like, oh, well, it, it won't be me tonight. It'll be somebody else playing. So that's where we are right now. People are they're not jumping off the train, uh, off the train tracks, but they kind of want to stand in, in, in front of the tunnel and keep them from going through. Which, which gives me to what I've said in previous podcasts and, you know, I've said to you guys off the record when we're sharing water and juice that um, I don't like the mindset. I don't like the mentality of That's true. teams and coaches. You, you, everybody's playing for number two. We, we don't have this same problem on the fella side. We got Kentucky and Duke on the on the men's side getting blue chip one and done year in, year out the last four or five years. We don't hear these folks saying, well, it's Duke and everybody else. Uh, you know, it's Kentucky and everybody else. So we're playing for number two. It sounds like the NBA during this off season went, well, it's the Warriors and everybody else. And lo and behold, the Warriors lost two of the first three games. And the Warriors have stubbed their toe a few times. And look at Cleveland, all that star studded talent. Well, excuse me, Oklahoma City struggling. Both Both teams are struggling. It's hard to win when you are supposed to win. But you you need to have first things first. You have to believe that you're going to win. So yeah, I I hear yeah. and I have heard too many teams already saying, 
Well, it's Warwick UConn. Man. It's UConn once again. We didn't, we didn't get our chance. We had a chance last year and didn't get it done except for Mississippi State in the semifinal. So we're about to plan for number two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we going to do? So that mentality is why I can, I'm already saying it, you know, I don't see UConn losing this year. I don't see them losing next year. And that's not their fault. We know that the, they got top tier talent. They want teams to rise up to their level. If you don't, well, you're going to get run over. <laughs> so that's go back to Wildcats phrase. That's a you problem. That's not a UConn problem. That's a you problem. If you don't want to step up, you step your game up, step to the side. And we'll just go from there. Yep. Just get out the way. Just so, get out the way. You know, I commend Baylor and Texas. They have raised the bar in terms of recruiting. South Carolina has done a great job getting top-tier talent. But the irony is, of those three teams, they didn't beat UConn. Mississippi State beat UConn. Nobody thought Mississippi Ooh. State would beat UConn. No. The new kid on the block got it done. Not, not the folks who had the name the last few years and the name recognition. An unknown came out of Woodworks and beat UConn. If that's what it takes to get it done, yeah. that's what it takes. Let's get it get his man his credit down. He he's he has been on a on a on a team that uh he was assistant coach on a squad that won it all, but they won it against a team that was not UConn the year that they won. Coach Safer is his squad it, right. It it helped that uh he had it, he had been there, understood what it needed to be done what needed to be done to get there and what needed to be done to actually get a shot in that one in that uh that championship game. Now he didn't want to finish the job last year. But let's get it you know, I'm giving the credit where credit is due. And it goes back to what Katie just mentioned. You got to get off your butt and say, Hey, my time has come. I can get this done some way, somehow. I gotta find a way. If not, just get out the way. And get out the way. Exactly. And today is Friday, November tenth, is the tip off the beginning of college basketball season, men's and women's. Um Stanford women will play Ohio State today and then Sunday Wildcat you'll see Stanford play Connecticut and Ohio State play Louisville and I'm curious I look forward to you getting your thoughts when you see Ohio State's Kelsey Mitchell All-American how you how she looks in person to you she has an outside an outside shot at breaking Kelsey Plum's record that she just said last year to be the all-time leading scorer in NC women's basketball. Kelsey's going to probably have to play all the way to the Final Four to get it done, but she, like I said, she has an outside shot of getting that done. So the, you'll see talent on Sunday. I'm just curious to see how much the mental makeup is when UConn go. We're assuming it, of course. I mean, it's a new team, new faces for UConn, but they are on a mission. When they go on a run, we'll see what Stanford does. I mean, Stanford's coached by Hall of Famer and Tar Vanderveer. We'll see how they respond yeah. to that run. If they, you know, get wide-eyed and say, well, that's it for me today, then the game might be over at halftime, which not, would not be a not. good look. Yeah, I'd good. be totally disappointed if that happened. Because that's a top. I'd be totally, it'll be a it's, It'll be a wasted trip. That's a top Literally, 10 team. A trip. That's a top 10 team playing the number one team. And if the number one team blows out the top 10 team on national TV to start the season, that's not a good look for TV and, you know, the average fan. Hopefully it doesn't happen like that. But let's bounce around and come back 
to college basketball because I want to talk about a, a certain team that is on top of the world, the baseball world, baseball landscape that uh, did something for the first time in the history of the franchise. I'm talking about the Houston Astros winning the World Series. Yep. That's a pretty big deal, fellas. Dude, I'm going to tell you. I was, uh, like I said in my Facebook, I feel justified. The right person at the right time came here and did his job. That was Jason Verlander. Justin. Timing is everything. They needed a number two guy on their pitching staff that had been in the limelight. They, when they turned the lights on, he was ready to go to work. The one thing he did in postseason was kept AJ from going to that uh, to the uh, bullpen early in the game. So that sa- that saved him and stressed him out. Now we'll have to give credit to critics do. The Dodgers, you know, they they were coming into the, this situation, you know, with four games at home and three on the road, and the Astros, you know, that biggest problem the whole season was road games. They weren't able, they, they didn't win a whole lot of road series, but they fucked it up, got done what they needed to get done, brought everything home, and then it was, it was like I said, justified. You won, well, the team won in LA, in the Dodgers Valley, then whatever that is that they, they play out there in, and brought the trophy home. And I think everybody should be happy with what went down as far as the enjoyment and the celebration. We didn't have what they normally have in these other places. Folks just got happy, went and bought their T-shirts, their hats and all and whatever in the middle of the night. But that kind of scared me that because stores are open 24 hours, you know, for 24 hours, running, trying to get that stuff done, uh, get, this, uh, get things printed out. You never know what's going to happen. And it all went down, I think, just great. How about you, fellas? I would agree uh, that you laid it out. Uh, they didn't really do well on the road all season, but they had two big wins on the road this time. Obviously, the clincher in Game 7, going 500 for the series, two out of two on, uh, on the road, which is significant when you talk about it. But this was a team they got – an integral part in regards to the pitching, which I think was the final piece of the puzzle. But to their credit, usually you hear in the postseason that the bats go away. This is a team that really didn't lose anything at the bat uh, going to the plate. In fact, they actually rose to the occasion. There are many games throughout this series where they would go down in the inning and come right back and put those same amount of runs, if not more, on the board uh, to really put the pressure on the pitching staff for the Dodgers. And, it paid off, um, and I just thought it was a magnificent series, well-coached, well-played, certainly exciting with the ups and downs, but uh, a lot of good things going on in that series. Much credit goes out to the Houston Astros to getting it done. It's a great, it's a great honor. It's, um, it's, it's cool to see how happy my, my friends are. And colleagues, and I read something from one of our colleagues, Neil Farmer, wrote about um, when he was a kid and went to to the Astrodome with his dad and sisters, you know, for the first time, and how in awe he was of, of the sight of the Astrodome, the size of it, and the spectacle of it. So it, it's really awesome to hear stories like that of people who cover the team grew up as a fan of the team team went through a lot of struggles and a lot of losses just a few years ago and, and be on top of the mountain right now and, and celebrating championship. And like I've said many times, winning a championship is hard, you know, and oh, yeah. that's why it, you know, it, it bothers me when people in any sport try to take away from that accomplishment because this happened because so-and-so didn't play or because of this, whatever. Winning a championship is hard. Kudos to the Astros for getting it done. 
Sports Illustrated has already tabbed them to repeat to win it again in 2018. Obviously, they're going to have to show up the pitching because the relief pitching was was a problem oh. in the postseason. Um, shuffling around, the short relief was, was iffy. Some of the middle relief was even worse. But they had enough production from, from the offense to overcome those issues. So you expect the offense with Altuve and Correa and Bregman and George Springer MVP to get better. They're starting to enter their prime. If they get better pitching, signs of free agents, make a trade or two here, there, whatever, then they'll have a, a good shot to winning it again next year. But it'll be different next year because they'll have a mark on their back. Those come out, be going to form all the time. Baseball is a long, well, it's, long it's, season. Uh, Winning a championship is hard, so it's not an automatic. They certainly should be favored for a lot of reasons. One, that they're young, but one thing that they were over, overcame this year is those injuries. Yes. And uh was fortunate enough that they were not season-ending injuries, but they were significant injuries. So that's another thing that you got to worry about is that the team can find, stay healthy, uh, as you talked about adding the depth for the pitchers. pitchers. But also, kudos go out, as you said, the MVP, George Springer. Boy, you're talking about have a big-time series with clutch hits. Uh, well-deserved for a young man that's put a lot of uh, time in the game. And uh, he, he came up roses to get it done to bring up uh, and to be an important part of the call to bring that championship to Houston uh, in Major League Baseball. And, you know, because right before the playoffs started, uh, I was worried that uh, – uh, well, let's, let's 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 say outside the, the team that uh, he should be, you know, moved out of his starting spot, out of his, out of his leadout spot. But the uh, coaches on the bench, the manager said, "Hey, don't sweat that, man. You the guy. You going if we get to, if we get where we need to get to, you gonna be the leadout guy. You gonna stay in that spot. Just go and play. Just go and bat. Just be who you are." Don't sweat all that. They not coaching this team. And bam, like you said, Doc, when he when they needed a hit or a lead off or whatever, he was able to go get that. And you know, Astros are big on analytics, but manager AJ yeah. Hinch is also big on trusting his instinct and going with his gut. And sometimes you gotta That's go with your gut. Them more than anything. Right. You gotta go with your gut sometimes and believe somebody's going to break out of a slump and stick with them. Springer came through in the clutch and had a spectacular World Series. And they're, they are and very well-deserved being treated like royalty in the city. They were at the game. Some of them were at the game, Rockets game Thursday, as well as some Sunday. Uh, as hints and some, some of the players were at the first game a few days ago. And then Springer and Bregman were at the game Thursday. Rockets played the Cavs, sitting, you know, courtside. Springer was participant in the Rockets' first shot. Tuma Fertitta has started this year on his ownership, where a celebrity before the game gets one free throw attempt. If the person makes it, it's five thousand dollars donated to a charity. If, if it's a miss, it's a thousand dollars donated to a charity. Springer missed his shot last night. You can tell he's a he's a baseball player, not a basketball player. Because his, oh, yeah. his form yeah. wasn't wasn't great, but the popularity was so overwhelming. Um, Rockets introduced some of them Astros Sunday. I put it on my Instagram account, Houston Rumble Review. Last count, it had over thirty four thousand views to see those. Bo- Players and manager recognized, and then that's pretty thirty-four thousand, you know. And then last night, Springer's free throw miss. Folks didn't care. Somebody I don't who follows me on Twitter retweeted it. You know, had a little joke about it. You know, this is proof that George is better at baseball and basketball. People are still retweeting that as we speak during this podcast. So what's going on? Almost 24 hours, people are retweeting that. So Springer and um, Bregman came to the Rockets locker room after the game last night. Staff were taking pictures 
asking Springer for autographs and he accommodated everybody. I was just surprised to me, you know, baseball, I don't follow baseball. These guys are short. You know, I'm used to yeah. dudes. I'm used to dudes taller than me, you know, <laughs> basketball players. These dudes are my height, you know. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're wow. to look it up, look it up in somebody's face. I, mean, I, I know, I know old Jose Altuve is short because he's like 5'4". Hey, but that's mentioned. Calvin is taller than he is. That's Calvin mentioned. Is you know, perfect, you know oh yeah. Taller than he is. But Bregman, I'm like, wow, you know, you're my height. <laughs> kind of stuff. Well, <laughs> But it was it is really cool to see how people have embraced them and are getting a kick out of taking pictures with them and getting an autograph and it's good for the city of Houston to to have a world champion that the majority of the city recognizes because far too many folks just forgot about the comments winning their four championships and and the WNBA doesn't really? count as doesn't doesn't count in those folks' eyes as being a, a one of you know a world major sport, so they discount those yeah. four titles. So it's, you see the Rockets championships, and that's it, because nobody goes back to the all of the AFL days, those championships. So now you got the Rockets and the Astros that that those fans consider as world champions. So it's great to see. It kind of is a nice bridge to the Rockets. James Harden, LeBron James went at it Thursday night. Harden scored 35 points, had another triple-double, 35 points, I think 11 rebounds, 13 assists, five steals. First person, first NBA player, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, to put up those kind of numbers since steals were first counted as a statistical category going back to the beginning, 73-74. The first person to put up those kind of numbers, 35, 11, 13, and 5 in a basketball game. James Hart. <clears throat> More importantly, the Rockets won the game, 117-113, thanks to Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker hustling for loose balls and, and getting rebounds down the stretch in the fourth quarter because the Rockets as a team in the fourth quarter only made six shots. They missed 16. Capella and P.J., pulled down, I think, nine offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. The two of them combined for nine offensive rebounds to keep his essence alive. And down the stretch, you can read about it. My write-up of the game at HoustonRoundBarview.com. Rocks had a one-point lead. Missed a shot. Loose ball on the floor. P.J. scrambles forward, gets on the floor, scrambles forward, gets a ball, hands the ball to Harden. Harden tosses the alley-oop. To Capella, Capella slams it home, gets fouled, converts, makes the free throw to put the Rockets up four with a minute left. LeBron comes down and scores. Rockets hits the ball back. Harden misses. P.J. Tucker again. Offensive rebound. Another possession. Harden takes the ball, uses more shot clock, air balls his jumper. But the Capella gets the ball. And lays it up for a four-point lead with like 10 seconds left to ice the ball game. So rebounding was the key for the Rockets winning last night over Cleveland. The Cavs are struggling. I think they're five and seven now, so they're still struggling. The Rockets are nine and three, and they're winning games without Chris Paul in the last couple of games without Luke Bamute, who's having a both of those guys are having bone bruises. So they're still finding ways to win because of Harden, who was just fellas Sunday's performance against Utah when he poured in 56. He had 54 at the end of three quarters. Was one of the most impressive individual performances I have ever seen on a basketball floor. He was efficient. He barely missed. He had step back threes, go to the hole. It was just, there was nothing Utah could do to keep him from scoring. And Rockets just rolled over Utah. And Utah is a good defensive team. You couldn't tell it Sunday night when uh, James Harden just went to work 
and he just had it going from the opening tip, kept it going, and Rockets poured in, I think, 137 in that big victory. So they're rolling right now, making three-pointers. They had a little struggle there for a bit with a three-point shot, wasn't falling, but now they're rolling. So 9-3, and three, Rockets Warriors, top two teams in the West. So it's a good time down there at the uh, building where the Rockets play. They got another game Saturday versus Memphis, who was the pain, the thorn in their side. Already beat them twice this season because of the ground out style. So we'll see how that goes Saturday. And they go on the road Sunday, and they come back home for a game on Tuesday. So this is a little busy stretch for them. But I've got a few of the videos posted on my website as well as my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review. So you can go check out the, the post-game videos and some videos from practice as well. It's fun. This has been a busy week. Like I said, signing day was Wednesday, first week of signing day, first day of signing day. It's a week-long period. I got an um, interview with Coach Huey from UH Women on my website. Got a video from Coach Sampson, UH Men, talking about the, the four players they signed. That's on the website. Stopped by Rice, interviewed Bishop Mincy Sr., for Rice Isles, that's on the website as well. Spoke to uh, Mike Davis, TSU, that's on the website. And Antoine Davis, his son, who signed with the U of H, is also on the website. So a lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, try to tell as much as possible. Got links to players that Rice signed, men and women, HD women signed, uh, 6'3 player. That's on the website, it's on the blog, HoustonRombardView.com. Preggy signed a 6'1 young lady. That's on the website. So a lot of stuff going on. Basketball season is here. And to kick it off, TSU men, Doc, going to lead right into you in the HBCU report. TSU's first game of the season with all the non-conference games all, all on the road. Tonight versus Gonzaga. Game's going to be on TV on... Root Sports, or it was AT&T Sports Net, whatever. But that game will be on TV. Seven, I think 11 of uh, TSU's games will be on TV this year. So only one of them is a home game. And that's the first SWAT game on a conference play, January 1st game against Southern at h and is going to be on TV. That's weird, Doc. You got your bell cow of the conference on TV in conference play just one time. Yeah, that's been an issue uh, for a lot of people at Texas Southern University. I think the SWAC office has, has, it's been a challenge for the SWAC office to decide whether they're going to put, as you say, the bell cow team on television or those couple of teams on television more than the others. They seem to want to kind of spread things out. And I'm certainly, there can be an argument for that, but, uh, it's certainly been a challenge for uh, those that want to see uh, a solid program in Texas Southern that's pushing the envelope and wants to get to the point where they can be recognized as a solid mid-major program. And, and we'll get a chance to see that. Uh, this is supposed to be a pretty talented team for Texas Southern University. Uh, they have some players coming back uh, that uh, uh, are solid, Kevin Scott, uh, but at the same time, I think uh, Demontre Jefferson is a sophomore now, a year older, so he understands more of what coach wants. Uh, you have some uh, branded name uh, kids like Kanan, McClennan, uh, McCullen, I should say, excuse me, Dr. Charles McCullen's uh, son, uh, who's a redshirt freshman. Some people say that he's really put off the weight and gained. It'll be interesting to see how he's doing. And then you have Kevin Granger, Jr., that's the son of the Hall of Famer, Swag Hall of Famer, Kevin Granger, that led the season his senior year. So some brand-name talent there, but where people are really excited are some of the transfer kids that are on the roster. And so it'll be interesting to see, can this team come together and how long will it take to come together? Um, obviously, they uh, Mike Davis has been able to do that over the years. And so there's no question that many believe that he'll do it this year. The question becomes is just how soon it will take. He's on the record of saying that this is his fastest team 
in a lot of ways, people say most most athletic team, not necessarily the height that he emerged in there and out, but they're, they're certainly solid in terms of all of them being uh, six seven, other than the point guard there and above. So I think Texas Southern obviously is picked to do it again and should be in the mix. But I think the bigger picture for Texas Southern, everybody's going to be watching to see what they do in the non-conference schedule. They play a very competitive non-conference schedule uh, with some top 25 teams on there. Uh, as they talk about the Power 5 program. Some were saying basketball is probably 6 or 7 when you start looking at uh, some of the basketball-only leagues. And so when you get to that point, I'm just going to sit back and kind of watch and give the people the updates to see what's going on. Uh, basketball, another team to keep your eyes on is Alcorn State. Southern should be back in the mix. Obviously, as a new coach as former coaches transition over to the AD role full-time as assistant is in the role as a interim uh, coach here to see if he can find a way to hold on to the job, graduate of family. It's going to be interesting to see what Southern does in the program, and I'm sure some teams would like to think that they're going to take that next step to get in the mix. Obviously, Texas Southern's uh, head assistant has transitioned over Alabama and m They still have some problems with the APR when you look at basketball, uh, but that'd be something to keep on your uh, eyes, particularly when those two teams match up, Texas Southern and Alabama a and twice this year, once in Houston and obviously once on the road as they go to Huntsville, Alabama. So those are some uh, games that I think that you want to keep on your schedule some notes. But we're not quite through with football yet, so let me give you my uh, weekly football update. You had a close uh, loss for the home team here at Prairie View, uh, which was Prairie View losing to Texas, I mean, to losing to Southern, 37-31. And in that game, uh, Austin Howard, the senior quarterback, got it down 22-34 for 405 yards and four touchdowns. Austin Howard uh, got it done. But there was a controversial call in that game where um, actually uh, one of our friends here, Raymond, in the area that does photography uh, on uh, his off time, I guess you would say, and has become pretty noted of catching some big pictures. Uh, some would say actually some noted pictures in regards uh, to controversial calls. He had one last year where some referees got suspended, and he had a big one this year where he got a picture of a fumble by Southern going into the end zone, and the picture shows that it's obvious he's nowhere close to the end zone. The ball came out, but the referees called it a touchdown. And some people believe that that was actually a difference in the game. The SWAT came out and came down hard on the crew there. SWAT suspended football referees, uh, suspended uh, that group of referees for the next contest they were uh, planning to call, which is Alcorn State of Jackson State on November 18th. And one of the officials actually has been suspended for the rest of the year. So they compensated that the officer. Office concluded that there was an erroneous call made in the fourth quarter of the November 11 game where a Southern pass play was ruled a touchdown. In addition, one member of the crew was suspended for the remainder of the 2017 season. They actually named the officiating crew. Wow. Well, they came down pretty far. Yeah, usually see them suspension, but I hadn't seen the point where they actually named the crew. So those guys. Oh, big picture. Oh, man. Yeah. That's not good. Because uh, they, they, they're, they're supposed to be uh, nameless. You know, you just say that uh, the officiating crew, and that's it. And they know you, you don't well, see I those guys that, anymore. I take that back. This report is from Honadon.com, and so they, they pulled the officiating crew stack. So they pulled the name from the stack. So the flag didn't release the name. So you, I think. Whoa. Right. Whoa. Yeah. 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 They did their homework and pulled the name. From the stats crew, uh, and put it out there. And I it's think still not good. There should be some uh, accountability. Well, I don't think. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure how you say that's not good. I mean, obviously, the news agency has every reason to be able to do their homework. At some point, uh, the, they have to be accountable. I was released by by the Slack office. Obviously, they made a bad call and they got suspended. Put their names out there to put their names out there. I mean, I would agree with you if they put their address and phone numbers, but just to put the names out there, I, I don't see much wrong with that uh, in regards to. I'm a little partial now. I'm a little partial now. Right. I can, I can understand that. But, yeah. You know, things change. You know, you got to 
Yeah, that's, that's a big change. You decided to call the game. It is right. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, it's it, it different. It was a judgment call, uh, but this is a call that's not even based on rules. It's like blatant, obvious that you don't call what you want to call. I mean, it wasn't even close. So at some point, so you got to think about this, uh, Jerry. If you're not careful, and if this was so egregious, then it then it starts to put in question the referees itself. Oh yeah, no, 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 I agree with that. I, I, I agree on that part. Right. So, I mean, at some point, it's different when it's a bang bang call. I can agree with you, but this was so egregious when they looked at the tape, they were obviously able to put out that this was an erroneous call. I mean, it wasn't different. It wasn't even close. I have to send you the picture, so when you see the picture, you're going to be like, what was going on here? How could you not see it? Uh, and unfortunately for them, it wasn't a, it wasn't on television. So, you know, so many games now, right, uh, right. are able to make a call, and they can almost lean on the fact that they know it will be reviewed, so they're fine with that. And in this case, maybe that's what was going on, because he called some other games where that's part of the package. So he thought he may be safe, and you kind of let the play play out. That way, he can be right. directed, don't stop. It. Yeah. Uh, but um, that's why you also have to uh, put, let's put out there that referees are paid more than ever before, and that's because right. yeah. 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 the responsibility has went up. So as you increase your fees, the expectation goes up with that as well. Um, so I think that's a good question. I'm glad that you brought it up, so we can give the listeners a little more in regards to what went on with this uh, call. But let me move on and, and give some more. Yeah, go ahead. Got a big win. Uh, Lajon Odom, uh, third-string quarterback, came off the, the – the well, not off the bench, but he started the game. And while he was the quarterback, he actually rushed in that game and uh, rushed for 172 yards and two touchdowns on 23 carries. So he got it done with his feet uh, to get Texas Southern Tigers their win. And now with that, all FCS HBC programs – have a win. So the last three weekends, we've had teams come off the snide. Three weekends ago, Jackson State getting their first win. It was against Mississippi Valley State, uh, oddly enough. Same team that Texas Southern got their win, 38-21. And in the middle, you had Savannah State getting a big win over uh, Delaware State a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, to get it done uh, in regards to that, uh, which creates a big matchup this week. Southern is coming to town to visit Texas Southern. And down on the hill, down at Prairie View, you have Arkansas Pine Bluff coming to play Prairie View. Prairie View needs to win out to have a winning season, so they're going to be looking really uh, hard to get this victory. But Pine Bluff, although their record really doesn't speak to this, 2-7, and 1-4 in the swag, they've been uh-huh. able to put up points, but they just haven't been able to stop people. So I think this game will be a little more competitive in Prairie View than many may think looking at the record, but I think Prairie will find a way to get it done. It also looks like Prairie View uh, is moving in a direction where I think they found the quarterback. Nico Hollins was 20 of 45, 242 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This is his third uh, starting game, and he's a redshirt freshman. So uh, he's looking pretty good, and I would imagine that he's going to get the call the rest of the season and see about playing his way into the starting role for next season. So. Uh, it looks like uh, next year's season is upon us to some degree for some of the players that are seeing if they can make their next step. Also, Stephon McCray had an extended game against Southern, rushing for 138 yards. Coach said that he had his best game of the season, ran really hard, got in the end zone one time, and that was on 16 carries. So he averaged 8.6 yards a game. So he uh, was able to rush the ball pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. For the game, uh, actually, for every average 6.3 uh so, uh, but couldn't get some crucial stops in that game, but did get a big stop by the defense late in the game to really put Prairie View in, in a situation where they could go for the last drive and win the touchdown. It was to be, uh, not to be, I should say, and so Southern wins the game, which means they stay in the race uh, for a winner-take-all game against Brownless in the Bayou Classic. Remember, Southern has one loss against Alcorn State, which is in the Eastern Division, and if Auckland State wins this weekend, they will lock up the East already as they defeated Alabama A&M 47-22 uh, to kind of uh, lock up the position in a lot of ways. But there's still a chance for Alabama State, who has won three straight games, 
that will play Jackson State this weekend, and they're going to coach. Ely is finding his way to make a statement that he should get the coaching job full-time. So that's something also to keep your eyes on. And obviously, Kincaid, Devontae Kincaid, completed 28 of 42 passing yards for 254 yards, three touchdowns, as he continues to get it done in a big way for the Grambling Tigers. But that was probably most, much more closer than many people thought as they defeated Arkansas Pine Bluff, the team I just talked about playing, coming in to play for every this weekend, 31 to 26, as Arkansas Pine Bluff scored 10 points late in the game to bring it uh, in contention, but could not get it done. And so some of the matchups, uh, as I said, that you want to watch out for this week is Jackson State at Alabama A&M, Arkansas Pine Bluff at Prairie View, Grambling at Alabama State, Mississippi Valley at uh, State at Alcorn State, the Battle of Mississippi there, and Southern at Texas Southern uh, should be interesting in the SWAC. On the MEAC side of things, things are starting to shape out in the MEAC as North Carolina kind of pushed a bully around in Hampton as Hampton was trying to get in the way of their championship. The Eagles, who are the champions of the MEAC last year, find a way to stay in the races at 5-1, and one. And they defeat Hampton, bringing them to 4-2, and 14-6, so defensive struggle. North Carolina Central plays a great band of defense. They're down to the second and third string quarterback, but that defense keeps them in game. They're, all they want is a shot against North Carolina A&T, which is the cream of the crop. Is they're ranked on top of the pole, which we'll close out with. But North Carolina A&T just demolishes team. They defeat Norfolk State 35-7. to And so it's a possible in a couple of weeks that that North Carolina Central, North Carolina A&T, could again be the game that finds out who heads to the celebration bowl. Uh, big time battle between state rivalries in North Carolina. So it'll be interesting. But how is this not so fast? They want to stay in the race. They defeated FAMU, the Rattlers. The Bison are playing some good football. Six and three overall, five and one in the MEAC, 37 to 26 over the Rattlers. Did they get it done? Uh, Morgan State losing to Bethune Cookman, who stayed just outside the race, five and four overall, as they bounce back and win a couple of big games a lot and finally were able to put up some points as they're now four and two in the conference race defeating Morgan State forty one and twenty one. And lastly, as I said, Savannah State gets their second consecutive victory as they die down Delaware State thirty five to twenty one. So the Tigers get it done against the Hornets. The big matchups in the MEAC this week are North State over Howard, Savannah State uh, versus North Carolina, I should say, and that's North State traveling to D C to play Howard and Savannah State traveling North Carolina and D C. Hampton in the South Carolina State, the Bulldogs, uh, you have a big-time coach over there that's been getting it done, uh, Coach Koo, and uh, it seems like uh, some people are getting a little nervous and thinking the game is passing by. Hopefully, I'm not sure they make that call, South Carolina State, but they're used to winning of late, and they're struggling this year, too, just 2-6, and 1-5, playing a lot of close games, but can't find a way to get it done. Offensive has really let them down a lot of ways. But those Cookman Wildcats, Big matchup here. Bethune-Cookman playing some really good football. They travel to North Carolina Central. So Bethune-Cookman comes in, as I said, 5-4, four, 4-2 and four and in the MEAC, chasing North Carolina Central 7-2-5-1. The Central, the Eagles need this victory if they're going to stay in the race and make their winner-take-all game against North Carolina A&T. We shall see. Morgan State 1-8, 1-5 with the MEAC traveling to Delaware. Uh, that is Dover, Delaware, to play Delaware State 1-8, 1-6. Struggled all season. Disappointing season is Delaware State as uh, sophomores and freshmen they played over the last two years, thinking they'd become juniors, thinking that they were ready to take the next step, and it just has not been that way. And so the last one here is let's go to OBC with Tennessee State, the lone HBC outside of the track and NEAC, and they get back in the winning uh, one of the things is they have a big homecoming victory over Virginia University of Lynchburg and shut them out 60 0, so they go 5 and 4, 1 and 2 as they had lost four straight games. Uh, so they have a chance to see if they can continue the winning streak as they host Southeast Missouri State in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nissan Stadium. Tennessee State needs the victory if they're going to change things around. They've struggled offensively since they got the, the beginning of the year, so it just has not been that way. So we shall see on what is going on. Let me give you the top ten uh, major division teams, and we'll give you some in the big games at the mid-major divisional level. Uh, in regards to what's going on there. Um, so we have top 10 teams here. Winston State and State Rams, 6-4, and 4-3. They took a big deal loss last weekend at the end of the regular season for them, and they lost to Fayetteville State Broncos, 23-22. Uh, Nail-biter 
And because of that loss, they actually were knocked out of playing for a CIAA championship first time out of the last four years, something that it seemed like they were just uh, conditioned to play in. So Bayville State, the Broncos, who are in the top ten, will play for a championship in the CIAA uh, this week. I'll tell you who their opponent is as we climb up the pole. At number nine, Virginia Union Panthers, six and four, five and two. They drop two spots as they fall to Virginia State Trojans. And the Trojans will play in that championship game, as we talked about. They will play Fayetteville State Broncos this weekend on Aspire Network for a CIAA championship and uh, try to stay undefeated to see where they will be ranked as the NCAA Division II program for the playoffs. At number eight, Miles on the Bears, they really got beat up. I thought this game would be closer. They lose to their rival to see you Golden Tigers as the Tigers will play for SIAC championship and will tell you their opponents coming at number seven, which is Fort Valley State Wildcats. Five and four, five and one. They move up two spots. They get it done. They'll play for a championship. This is second consecutive year as they won the championship for the SIAC last year. They actually lost to Auburn State this past weekend uh, in that contest of their state rivalry game. But because of the hit tiebreaker against Benedict Tigers, they will play for the SIAC championship. Bring us to number six, that's Fayetteville State Broncos, six and four, five and two. Gave you a little hint and indication that this this team is playing for a championship. And boy, have they done it the hard way, but they get the big victory uh, over Winston Salem Straight Rams. Bring us to top five program. Benedict Tigers, one of the hottest teams out there, winning four or five of their last couple of games. But because of their head to head tiebreaker that they lost to Fort Valley State, they'll be sitting at home waiting to see if they can find a way in the Division II playoffs. I think it'll be tough. They're 72-5-1, but a tremendous season. As they have White that came over from Auburn State has already found a way to get the Benedict Tigers uh, back into the top 10 program. So look for big things to come from this program. Giving you the top four. Back to those Steve Golden Tigers, 8-2-0. They will play for SIC Championship. They've been looking for this all season. as They were held out of the championship last year with that upset to Kentucky State. Uh, but they got it done this year. They actually have stepped out of conference and taken down two swag poles. They defeated uh, their rival, state rival, uh, Alabama State earlier, and then they came back in Mobile and defeated Jackson State. So in a lot of ways, I guess they can uh, talk about what they've done against the swag this year as they are a very solid program, and they'll be looking to see if they can get in the Division II playoffs as well. At number three, Bowie State Bulldogs 9-1, 6-1. If they have one loss, but they one loss is to the Virginia State Trojans, who undefeated a very uh, good game in that contest a couple of weeks ago uh, during the season. They traveled to Virginia State in that game. They would line up, and it's looking like they certainly would get in the playoffs, but uh, if both teams could win the first round, they might be a rematch. So that's another one to keep your eyes on with Bowie State Bulldogs, Virginia State Trojans. Boy, that would be an interesting one that you want to see. Well, there are two undefeated teams in the mid-major division, and one of them for our ACC programs is Langston Lions. They are ranked number four, 9 0, 7 0. They're playing some good football. They wrapped up the division this past weekend as they traveled here in Texas and played uh, Westland and got it done in the nail biter there, winning by one point. So they locked up the division. There's also some other big news uh, by this uh, team of Langston. They will join the Solar Conference. Uh, that is the Sooner Athletic Conference next year as a full member. So they're moving from the Red River Athletic Conference. They're moving over and reduces travel. But in a lot of ways, people believe that the SAC, SAC, I should say, that's the Sooner Athletic Conference, is one of the most competitive conferences in the NAIC with winning uh, 100 national titles. Also, Texas College will go over there as an associate member to round out the football teams over there. So SAC. Will move from just three football pool members to six and a total of 10 football programs. So that's another thing to keep your eyes on as they get it done over there. Last one we give you is Virginia State Trojans, 9 0, 7 0, 6. First place votes, as we told you, they'll be playing for a conference football championship uh, as they play Fayetteville State and CIAA. They keep rolling undefeated. And so we should be big looking at trying to make a rain. We'll see if we can get the coach on the air next week uh, for the podcast we do show. As you all know, Dr. Luke, inside the HBC Sports Lab, every Tuesday from 545 to 7.15 as we go to our hour and a half now. Really excited about that announcement. But, yeah, catch us every Tuesday. You can't catch us live. You can catch it on uh, SoundCloud as a podcast. You listen to at your convenience. 
but we are also streaming. If you can catch it, you want to watch us in the studio, because we'll keep you rolling at uh, com, And we now uh, stream on FaceTime, if you would, on Facebook. So catch us live on the show if you can. Uh, thank you. You'll enjoy HBC reports as we get the coaches from this area on. And we also reach out to AD coaches uh, throughout the year as well as researchers to give you some updates about HBC sports. And that do it for my report. I think we gave you all you just want. Great job. Hold up, Doc. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Chris, before you step in. Doc, where are we with the Big Ben? I did is this season for him? Anybody yes, out right now? Yes. I'm so glad that you asked about the Big Ben. It looks like we might have a repeat. Get out of here. Yes, you see it. He keeps putting on those numbers. He started off a little slow, but he's won uh the weekly award four times already, two times. Oh my goodness. So he finds a way to put it up there. You have a couple of players from Prairie View. Defensive side of the ball are getting out there. You have a special team player from Texas Southern. So we have a robust list, so we're really excited about uh, Wednesday, November the 29th. We've moved over to the Sheraton Suites Houston near the Galleria. We're stepping up uh, everything. Oh. Big ben. Really excited about what's going to take place uh, for the Big Ben Awards. But the early uh, our favorite, I guess you would say, is Devontae Kincaid, as he has just been masterful. And he said very early, he really was excited about winning last year, and he talked about it. Can I win it again? I said, put up those numbers again. You surely can. And he is doing his part thus far. So um, look for some continued reports on the Big Ben as we are excited about closing down on the award and announcing that in a couple of weeks on Wednesday, November the 29th, uh, Sheraton Suites, uh, Houston Galleria. If you want to get tickets, you can go to phd-agency.com. <laughs> phd-agency.com, pick on the Big Ben Award, and you can go to purchase uh, tickets. Thank you, sir. Going to um, shift gear talk about the Cougs football team. Since our last podcast and during our last podcast, I mentioned that it might be time for Coach Alpha White to put Derek King at quarterback. Thankfully, Someone has told Coach Alpha White to just to do such a thing. And the Cougars behind Mr. King's leadership at QB upset South Florida on the road thanks to his 20-yard touchdown scramble at the end of the game to give them that victory, 20-24. And then for homecoming on November 4th, he led the Cougars to a 52-27 victory over a not very good East Carolina football team, but that win made the Cougs six and three, which means with those six wins, they are bowl eligible. And the future has started with him at quarterback. So they finished out the season on the road with Tulane on the 18th and then Navy on the 24th and then a bowl game. And next season, I'm expecting bigger things from the squad. It'll be Ed Oliver's last season before he goes to the NFL. I think the recruiting has been solid for next season as well. So with another year under his belt with Derek, Derek King at quarterback, should be I have much higher expectations for next year's squad than I did for this year's squad. So playmakers make plays. Derek King is a playmaker. You got to get the ball in his hands. He makes things happen positively for the football team. So he's healthy now. So once they got him at quarterback, the offense is just much more efficient and effective. So that's good to see. So that's a good thing. Fellas, the basketball team, I'll say both of them, the men's team tips off Friday night versus McNeese. Of course, all the home games, I think, except for two, Wichita State and I think UConn, will be played at THU's H&PE Arena. This Sunday, they had an exhibition game where they thumped Angelo State. The Cougars look pretty good. They they definitely have much more quality depth this year than they've had the last three years. So that's that's good Mm -hmm. to see. The women's team opens up on the road at Reed Arena to 
faced the Aggies tonight in the opening round, in an opening round game of the WNIT. I'm not expecting women to win the game, but I am expecting them to compete and show signs that this year will be a better year than the previous three years. U of H women announced officially three more signings a day for next year, three young ladies to National Letters of Intent. One of them, uh, Star Jacobs, Wildcat, Doc, plays high school ball at Duncanville. Mm. You heard I say Wildcat? Duncanville. Yeah, I heard it. That means she's above, she's taller than 6'1", at least 6'1". And it also means she got some skills because Duncanville yeah. <laughs> is, is a basketball factory. So, True. So that's good. And, uh, Diamond Gladney, point guard from Clear Springs, is also is one of the three signees, and Tatiana Hill is the other. So Coach Huey and his staff are bringing in talent. It's time for them, as he said, and he said in an interview again, and he said to me, and he said to Wildcat yeah. as well, it's time for them. He expects them to go to a postseason tournament this year. His words were to, to be more specific, to not be sitting on the sideline at the end of the regular season. Yes. And he said, why not? That was, that was, that, <laughs> that was it. And I was he, like, well, okay then. And he's still a tad bit warm that the conference predicted them to yeah. finish 11th out of 12 teams this season. So yeah. if you want to get more specifics of, of why he feels that way, you can go to my website, listen to the podcast interview that he did with me a couple of days ago, and he'll give you some more details of why he believes 11th is too low. And the players, which is a good thing, the players – are that, that's a key man. Are key. are that's using it as motivation and self-checking each other. So if they're having a lax practice, the players are not saying, "Look, we're not going to have this. We're not going to finish eleventh. We we are better than this, and we're going to show people that we're better than this." So the coaches don't have to do that. So that's that's at least a step in the right direction. That the players are not taking more ownership and responsibility for their performance in practice and in games. So. We'll see. Maybe the culture is taking that next step, and that's a good thing. Wildcat, since you, yeah. you're a national traveler, how can folks find these interviews that you're about to uh, take part in, in this weekend in Columbus? Yes, I'm just a lowland national traveler. Doc is an international guy. Chris, at some point, you're going to get that passport, and you're going to venture out. Go ahead. So with so with that, you can find me online uh, at Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook at AK at uh, Jerry L Woodley Jr. J L Woodley One. Blogger, Blogspot, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud at AKSV ZCSR. Doc the College Sports Report. Yes, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You said a little bit earlier, you can catch us on the uh, radio show, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab, every Tuesday with our new extended time from 545 to 715. Um, if you can't catch it live, uh, as we stream on K3HTV.com or... <laughs> on FaceTime, uh, as we do it on Facebook. Uh, then you can also catch us on SoundCloud as a podcast at Dr. Lives Inside HBC Sports Lab every Tuesday from 545 to 715. You can go to THC-agency.com to see the updated uh, poll ranking that we gave you there. Uh, we do it in a nice uh, color framework where you get the helmets and everything, so a lot of people like to not only see how rank the top ten, but we like the format that it comes as well. And so if you want to get those reports, you can go directly to the website, THG-Agency.com. has information on the podcast and the show as well. Gentlemen, before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to toss out there? <coughs> no. Um, no, nothing I can think of. Got nothing. 
Anything? No, that's all we have. I think we've covered it all. All right, good deal. I am KD of the Houston Round Bar Review. As I mentioned earlier, you can go to HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube, Twitter. My account is VHR Review. Our podcasts are available everywhere now Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory. If you've got a podcast, we're there. So look for KG, Fifth with Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Safe travels to your Wildcat. Uh, tell us, coaches, um, that Ace Town will be represented come Final Four as we have the last few years. We're going to be oh, yeah. not yeah. quite UConn Nation, UConn Media Horde deep, but H Town Media will be <laughs> will be in full effect come Final Four. I think all five of us are set for that. So yes, listeners, it's already in the works for Final Four, and we'll be doing a podcast in Columbus. So working on that, we have a few other surprises up our sleeves. We're trying to get finalized for that as well. So I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true. Be cool and do more.